Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we'll speak with one of our therapists or collective members and chat about a mental health topic using a queer lens. And I am your host, Renee Johnson, licensed professional clinical counselor, art therapist, and founder of Open Space Therapy Collective. Today, we are talking with Mikey Whiten, he, they. Mikey is a psych NP and does medication consultation with OSTC. Mikey specializes in working with queer and trans folks 16 and up. As we dive into today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast and we will talk about sensitive issues. If you would like to be informed of any trigger warnings, please read the podcast description. Uh, welcome to My Therapist is Out. This is an open space therapy podcast. I'm your host, Renee Johnson, and we have with us today Mikey Whited. Hello. Mikey is a psych MP who will be joining the open space team this coming summer. So we thought this would be a great chance to introduce Mikey and get to know a little bit about what medication management and consultation is, what a psych MP is, and how important it is to have a queer and trans informed psych provider. Yes, it's very important. So guess I'll start off with what I do. Yeah. Um, so I am a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner board certified, um, which is different from a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is someone who went to medical school, became a doctor, and then specialized in psychiatry versus um, while I am a nurse practitioner and I am trained in a lot of in all general health stuff, my training was all exclusively on psychiatric issues. So I didn't spend years doing labor and delivery or anything like that. I have an RN and then I became a nurse practitioner, but specifically a psychiatric nurse practitioner. So I don't treat someone's blood pressure, but I do use blood pressure medications to treat psychiatric issues. So it's a little different and um, there's a big difference in the nursing model of care versus the medical model of care. The nursing model um, focuses a little bit, a lot more on like the patient and their environment and how that is informing what is disordered or what is not working. Whereas like the medical model sometimes is very much more focused on like diagnosis and naming and um, can have a different style of treatment that's a little bit more like prescriptive rather than collaborative sometimes. I mean, every provider is different, mm -hmm. but that is a kind of difference in like the model in which you're trained. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've heard you refer to it as like holistic medication care, med psychiatric care. So holistic care is really partnered with like being collaborative with the client. How is that different if somebody was going to go see a psychiatric at their hospital or at their clinic? So, I mean, again, there's always a difference by provider. Everyone's a different person. Everyone approaches things in different ways. But in an effort to be collaborative, you need to figure out where someone wants to go, what their actual goals are, and what's going to actually work for them. Um, because... You know, sometimes we'll like people will be like, oh, you should take this medication. However, you talk, if you discuss the side effects and possible side effects from them, that may be a non-starter for the person. Like, okay, so we've like, well, we're not as anxious, but now we don't have like, you know, as much libido or sexual enjoyment. And if that was a major thing in your life that was a positive influence, then that's probably taking away something that we don't want to give up. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, like I said, looking at a more holistic is we're also going to talk about what's your diet like? Are, was you, are you exercising? Have you seen the sun in, a, in two weeks? Um, these kind of things will really have a major impact on the mental health and also inform what med you want to go with and why. Mm -hmm. um, like for somebody who has problems 
with, mem- with rem- remembering things. A menu take three times a day is probably not a good choice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it just depends. Totally. So and Those are really good examples of, like, finding the fit. Like, I'm not going to take a medication three times a day. I've tried. It never happens. Nope. Um, but I will take a bunch of meds in the morning and then never think about it again. Exactly. And so, like, finding that, that right fit is really important. And also, like, I, as somebody who has experienced both receiving and providing psychiatric care, there's a lot of nuances that can be missed if you're like also especially um in when you talk about seeing someone in a hospital or like i run crisis clinics is my other job right now mm-hmm. um i've had certain jobs where i get 20 minutes per patient and that includes my charting time mm-hmm. so did those patients get a lot of time to really talk through things with me every time no whereas like coming to a private practice where we have a little bit more flexibility means we can often have take more or less time depending on what's going on to like talk about the things like hey by the way you seem like you're you know we're dealing with some depression have you been outside is your vitamin d level probably low are we not eating enough nutrients to actually make the neurotransmitters to feel good Mm -hmm. um so it's those kind of conversations that can make a difference and not saying and i know a lot of psychiatrists that do have those conversations but i also and i know nps that don't always but it also it can really vary on setting yeah and how this how the care is set up yeah yeah so let's focus on how you're going to practice as you join ostc because i think that's going to be very different from what our clients you typically see if they go with their kaiser psych or a regular insurance paneled psych which will be like the 20 minutes okay check 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 right take this right where you're going to spend an hour to an hour and a half with people to really understand what's going on with them Right, and so what I'll be doing is going to be, um, it's going to be making, um, so it'll be an evaluation and a recommendation. And so what I'm going to be doing is I'm not actually going to be prescribing the medication we're discussing. I'm, I'm going to be spending time getting to know what the issue is, what you've tried in the past, why they didn't work, that, those kinds of things. And then I'll be giving, and then I'll be providing like my, my recommendations you can take to your primary care to prescribe. Because a lot of people kind of do the opposite where they're like, oh, I feel like I'm having some issues with depression. They just go see their normal primary care provider and they may just give them the only antidepressant they know. And it's almost always Zoloft and everybody gets given Zoloft and then they don't get explained what the side effects might be, what to expect, how long it takes to kick in, that kind of thing. And then I get people who have, you know, been think they've been getting this kind of care, but haven't. And, you know, it's kind of like, like I said, I don't, I'm not going to touch your blood pressure. Anything outside your skull, not really what I do. But at the same time, your general practitioner is trained in everything and a little bit of everything, whereas now you're going to come and get like an evaluation specifically for the psych issues. And we can discuss that along with your medical conditions to see what's going to be the best fit and so you would get that i also probably um probably have a conversation with your primary care provider because they'll probably want to know who is this person recommending these things and um can kind of walk them through the the -hmm. the care i'm recommending because i'll it will you'll be given like this is the meds that you should have and also these are the labs you should get these are other things to maybe check on like you know like maybe we're thinking maybe this is more of a bipolar spectrum thing has anyone checked your thyroid Mm -hmm. like there's just basic things that a lot of that someone trained in a little bit of everything is not they, it's not that they're not doing a good job it's that they're just not trained in like this the nuance of mm-hmm. mental health care yeah which, which is part of why you partnering with a primary care doctor is so invaluable because you have this very niche um, specialty not just in psych care but in queer and trans informed psych, psych care and so when we're talking about the holistic person and what's going on 
in their life and who they are, a regular Kaiser primary care person is not going to be attuned to half, at least, of what a queer and trans person is going through, what their life is made up of, who they are, how all the medications are working together or not, let alone psych care. And yeah, and there's a lot of, and there is a lot of nuance to it. There's certain medications that I think are fantastic, but if you're, depending on what, where, where we're going with our hormones, some of them are off the table mm -hmm. and, or like some of them, like, you know, where are we at with our life, what we're planning to do? Some of them, you absolutely cannot get pregnant while you're taking it. Mm -hmm. Some of them like can really radically, like I said, al like alter some physical stuff that's going on that if you don't know to ask about, you're not going to be able to ask the questions mm -hmm. and also being in a, um, being in a safe space can make a big difference in the conversations that you do have. Um, so, you know, it, it is often good to collab, like have, have someone else check in with your primary care program. Like, Hey, uh, like they want to talk about it. Do you have any questions about this? Cause I like, I mean, I took a course on, um, trans healthcare that was one course the only one available in my training and it was not great um it was just not that it, it didn't I, I have a background also first in like i have a minor in um, queer studies from my undergrad which also kind of helped inform certain things but like even i went to ucsf which is a very liberal school and has a lot of good trans healthcare. at the time i was going there wasn't a lot of courses to take and even well-intentioned people could not get informed and so like that's a, that can be a, a really big help to a provider is to have somebody else to be like hey i have a question like what is what is that why are we doing this like what's what's the rationale behind this which can just improve the quality of care you're going to get it overall and since you started working as a psych MP, you've primarily focused on queer and trans psych care um, and crisis care. And so you've really taken what little bit you could have gotten in school and gone, this is missing. I'm going to go find this in the next decade that you've been doing this. And a lot of it happened just organically over time was like, I am a queer person and I gravitate towards places that are going to be more open and safe for queer people to go get help because I've seen a lot of I've worked in places that are not that are very much not safe spaces and, and in fact like even well-intentioned providers have caused more harm than the good they were trying to do by not being informed and or not caring if they're informed and I've just I've seen some really negative outcomes from places where they're that are not safe spaces because people won't be comfortable talking about a lot of things that are very important because they're not, they don't feel like this is a space in which I can share this or am I going to get penalized for this or are they, you know, I've had friends that are even going to get a, some gender, gender, gender affirming surgeries that the front desk is dead naming people and it's just like they didn't, I went with a friend, it took two hours to try and get them into the appointment and they never made it in the building because it was too traumatizing and that happens a lot. And so it also really deters a lot of people from then seeking appropriate care later, which um, is one of the things that Open Space will be able to provide is a, is a safe place to go and kind of have a place to go ask the questions you want to ask and like really um, explore this areas that you may not feel comfortable with discussing. Yeah, because our norm is everything queer and trans and all of those spaces in between and your sexual life and your party life and your relationships being all sorts of everything. Um, and that's just like normal every day for us. That's not right. I mean, it's a big difference talking to somebody with the, like 
some lived experience versus like someone who's trying to like very well intentioned trying to be more informed but often isn't or doesn't know how to go get informed or is like oh my god i've never talked to a queer trans person before really and they're just like oh like they're gonna look at this like oh this is an interesting case study versus like how are you doing mm -hmm. you know and that can make a yeah. huge difference what's what are some examples of that because i think that like case study versus a person even if they're not intending to if they're not working with enough queer and trans people they're automatically going to default to this person as a case study not how was this person so i mean i've definitely had different providers and i've worked with and like they'll sometimes come to me like i have this person and they don't even know how to refer to them they don't know like they're just uncomfortable and even if I mean, I work with some that are not, I would say, not well-intentioned. Um, like, I've, I've had my first day in my job in New York. I think I told you about the story. Like, one of the providers was talking about a trans patient in a case presentation. The patient wasn't even in the room, but misgendered them 20 times in five minutes after being corrected twice. And then had the, like, were like well, they're not really trans, not in hormones, which is just absolutely the worst thing you could possibly, like, this, that's, that makes no sense. It doesn't, like, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, um, I did my best to try and educate this person because I thought they were misinformed. No, they were just they're just an asshole. But like, at the same time, like, I had to work extra hard, and I literally pulled all of their trans patients onto my caseload because I was like, "You are not, not going to let that happen here." But it was, and it was a place that like, very much touted that they are a safe, inclusive environment, and you know that can happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, those are th that's one of the instances where I was like, I I had patients that I then. I was working with them and I was like, oh, you've never talked about like the fact that you have all this trauma mm -hmm. with this other person you didn't feel safe with. And we need to, we're, we were, they were treating stuff that wasn't even yeah. appropriate because they weren't talking about the real issue because they weren't comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing is like, they're just, they're just putting things in their body they don't need. Like I'm the big fan of less is more with medication. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you're not, if you're not comfortable talking about the real issue, then you can't really work on actual treatment. Right. Yeah, that's a great point because if you're going to somebody who's not quite safe or you're getting like the red flags but you can't quite put your finger on it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm just kind of depressed. You're not going to be like, my life is blowing up. Uh, I've had all this trauma. Like I'm, my hormones may not be working, but I can tell that you don't really know about that, so I'm not even going to bring that up. And so if they're going to recommend something that's totally irrelevant to begin with. And you know that one person that was just an asshole is not the, not the norm but I mean you've even talked to other people that it's like they're well intentioned but they just missed the mark and so um, I mean we've all done, we've, we've all lied to the doctor and said no 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 I only have two drinks a day that's absolutely right but also then but you have if you have a provider that you can actually have a rapport with and you're not scared and you know a lot of when I talk to people I'm always like I am not the police we can talk about it it's okay this is a safe place we're not going to judge it we can together decide maybe we should change something. Mm -hmm. But like, it's very different than like, you know, you're in trouble about this. Yeah. And if you don't feel safe in this space, you can't get the care that you need. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things I talk about with friends a lot. They're like, oh, like, did you tell the provider you saw about this, this, and this? And they're like, no. Mm -hmm. like, but, but I know those things, and those are very important things for your provider to know. Mm -hmm. And they just don't get shared. And even if the person's well-intentioned, you can't, you, you can't solve a puzzle with other pieces. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think a big difference of what you're going to be doing with us at OSTC is it's not going to be just drop in with Mikey once, get a script, and disappear. It's going to be follow-up care, so you can actually get to know the people that you're working with. And also this model is what I've, I always prefer to work in, is a, 
a collaborative team with the person you're doing therapy with. Because your therapist, like, I mean, this was for other places, and the therapist spends more time with you than the prescriber does because usually the prescriber sees a lot more people, and that's kind of a business model thing. But in general, the medications, they're more check-ins, mm -hmm. whereas with the therapist sees you every day. But also, because I'll have open access to the therapist that you see, they can be like, hey, you know what? I don't even know if they remember to tell you this, but they reported this three times in the last three sessions. And I don't know if they brought it up to you, but can you ask them about this? And like, that is the, that's one of the benefits of being part of a collaborative team is like, okay, well, I'm not the one doing your therapy. However, this is something like, you know, like, like, Hey, the, you know, they're not going to like over disclose, but like at the same time, if there's something that you're bringing up that they're like, Hey, like, or like uh, I've had a lot of therapists ask me like, Hey, this person, like I've had a couple different people say this, they're all on the same medication. Is that connected? Mm -hmm. And like, this is, you know, where we can all educate each other. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a lot of what I'll be doing there is the kind of being the, being the in-house resource to ask these questions to like, you know, there's a, like a lot of meds do a lot of weird stuff mm -hmm. and also everybody reacts differently. And sometimes certain things I can be like, okay, that may or may not be related to meds and other things I'm like that is absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Or that definitely, yeah, like that actually happens on a fairly com like mm -hmm. not common, but there's a lot of things that's like, yeah, that definitely can happen with this. Like let's, we should probably talk through it and see where we want to go next. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. So it's not just they're checking with you and they check in with us, but we're in communication, of course, with the client's permission. Right. Um, but that's part of the whole point is if there's something that's coming up while I'm working with somebody, but they're not going to see you for a month, I can be like, hey, Mikey, this is happening. Do we need to be concerned? And you can be like, no, that's normal. Don't worry about it. I'll see them in the month. Or like, no, that's not okay. Like, let's move up that appointment. Right. And I've had that happen a lot. And I really, um, I really, that's why I really was excited about coming on to, to um, OSTC because because um, we, I mean, we've worked together before, and so it's it, we understand how to have that relationship, and it can be really like I said, it just it really improves the overall quality of care to have people like, hey, I you know this is a quick thing, I don't normally have people to ask this to, but hey, like let's like bring this quick thing up, and then it's and you know, it can just really improve the overall care. Okay, so my question was, um, how can we make somebody feel? less intimidated at the fact that if they were to come to OSTC, then they would maybe need to see Renee for therapy, you for a, uh, a medication suggestion or referral, and then potentially take that to a doctor as well. That seems like a lot of steps. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if you want to start off on this one, but um, what I would probably imagine a lot of times is a lot of people may already be on medications and want to check in about that. And if you're already on medications or already seeing these other people, so it's just kind of like seeing a specialist, like, you know, that can, it, that can be very helpful. Just having have like a second pair of eyes, second opinion. Like I've definitely had people that I've worked with that were like, you know what? I don't really like what you said. And went and saw someone else and came back and like, so they said the same thing. And, you know, and like, and I was like, I welcome do that, please. Um, but uh, it it may seem like a lot of steps, but at the same time, um, if you already have the other care going, it's just kind of like making sure that care is actually doing what you want it to be doing versus what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big part of the clients who come and see us, and most people, I think, come to do therapy first to try and figure out what's going, what's going on. Um, our whole culture is like, very bootstraps and do it for yourself and medication is bad. And so it's 
often I'll work with people for a while before they trust me enough to recommend like, hey, Mikey is, is really great, or I think it's time to maybe see somebody, or we've, you've come so far, but we're kind of stuck at this place, so it might be time to try something. Um, and it's, there is no have to also. This is, everything is a client's decision. Yes. People tell me no all the time, as they should, and people will tell you no all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's just getting more people in your support team. I mean, I will definitely uh, piggybacking on that. The way I talk about medications a lot is medications are a tool in our toolbox. It is not the toolbox mm -hmm. because our culture really loves to say there's a pill for that. And nine times out of 10, there's not a pill for that. Mm -hmm. um, so again, this is kind of part of that like idea of like, I have a lot of people that like, there's, there's like you're working with your therapist and both are like, maybe we should check in with somebody else about this. And then sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, we checked it. No. Or like, you know, I think you're on the right track and I don't, I don't think this med will help as much as it might hinder. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's, um, cause I, I'm more often than not in my practice, I've run into the, like, I need a pill for this and it's going to fix the things when we don't talk about what the things that we're trying to fix are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And what we do only really works when we do it together. Mm -hmm. If you're just doing therapy and things are really tough and you're not going to take medication, sometimes it takes us a lot longer to get to the second step or the third step in therapy because we're doing a lot of brain science stuff that really therapy isn't built to do or medication can't and, and vice versa. And the thing is does a lot of times therapy, when you can turn the volume on whatever like depression or anxiety, from the 11 to a seven, then you can get through a lot more work and therapy when it's not just overwhelming all the time. And that's why I tell people is like, it doesn't, medication doesn't change who you are in a fundamental way. It just has like kind of light nudges in certain directions. And that's kind of what usually we're looking for with medication. Yeah. And that seven, like by the time they see you, they got on something that gets them to a seven, they actually have so much more agency to make decisions, to decide what their care is going to be, decide how they want to work with their mental health, decide what they want to do in therapy and how, how they want to implement different tools in their life, where when you're at 11, you actually don't have any agency because you're so overwhelmed that you're just trying to like survive one minute to the next. Yeah, I see that a lot with, and I mean, I think, talk about personal experience but like you can't like I've, I've loved, I work with a lot of people that are unhoused and just struggling like well I don't really need a medication I'm depressed because I don't have x y and z and I'm like okay well won't it be easier to get it'll be easier to handle the steps in order to get to handle x y and z if not each step is just an insurmountable mountain where it's like okay uh, like a lot of times with medication, especially with like the SSRIs and stuff, people are like, so it's not that I feel different, but when this happens, I usually lose my shit. And I did not lose my shit. I didn't like it, but I didn't fall apart. Mm -hmm. And then they're able to go work through more work from there. And then sometimes we take off meds, sometimes we don't. Yeah. What other things that maybe we haven't brought up yet that is really important when looking for a psych provider to making sure that they're queer trans informed so um like i said there's a there's a lot of like re-traumatizing that happens that a lot of us as queer people just kind of we don't even like the like I don't know if people are familiar with like the idea of microaggressions, but like it's just these little tiny things that like society like you know you and your partner are there that you don't get and like 
just not a thing but they like they don't recognize you as a as a unit and so they like prefer to one person they think you're separate mm -hmm. and that's that's not a big deal but those things over time add up mm -hmm. and especially when you're dealing with like mental health and these delicate things where you need trust and you need to be in a safe place to deal with them if you, if if you can't feel safe then it's not going to really work yeah yeah that's a great point and like mis misgendering not like honoring poly relationship dynamics not understanding how mood presentation can happen for different gender spectrums mm -hmm. can be huge microaggressions that happen constantly and constantly and constantly when you're seeing other providers. And and, and that's the thing is like an, an, enough of that over time makes you not want to go see another provider. You're like, I don't want to go through that again. Like, I mean, like I said, I've worked, um, I worked at, I've actually had a couple different places that I like, I didn't even end up working, but I like had a friend that was like, hey, I need somebody that's psyched to like come in and didn't end up like being a long-term something where like I fit into the treatment team, but it was like, there was, I was like, give me a call. Like, just give me a call. It's fine. Like, cause a lot of times like this could be a really quick learning experience for you. Like we need to adjust this, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of different things that especially with like, like I said, with mood stuff and when we're dealing with hormones, there's a lot of monitoring that needs to happen. Um, that, just isn't it isn't part of standard medical training and so that's the thing is like when you go see like i've definitely i mean my first time going to therapy i went through five therapists in and each one was a single session because i was like absolutely not and I, like halfway through i was like is this and i was in school to become a mental health <laughs> provider and i was like maybe this is bullshit like i don't know like i had one person i walked in didn't say a word the entire hour mm -hmm. and i was just like you know i could also hang out with the wall and get the yeah. same amount i don't yeah. stop talking ever like this is not helpful mm -hmm. um but i went through five no's and then i found a therapist that i worked with for a long time who happened to also be a queer person who shared a similar background and it made the world of difference i was actually able to like work on things that i hadn't been comfortable sharing with anyone else for a long time because i was like I didn't have to go through the work of explaining mm -hmm. what my life was mm -hmm. to get to the part of what I wanted to work on in my life yeah. because it was like, it was like, okay, like, you know, it, it was just very helpful to not have to like explain like, okay, the person I'm dating and their other person they're dating is like, and then they had a problem with that person. And like other sides of people was like, wait, you're dating you've who's dating who, where it's like, well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what they said hurt my feelings. Yeah. Not that yeah. part. Not who's dating who and when. Right. Um, or like trying to like fit things into a gender dyad where they're like, well, I mean, are you the woman? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I've had that. I had that, I had that once and I was like, I can't even begin to, I'm going to go. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go. And it wasn't even relevant to the care that I was getting at the time. It was like, had nothing to do with anything. And I was just like, this is, or like I went to see a cis man who was my primary care about um, like a sexual health issue one time. And they just straight up told me nothing was wrong and later I went to a queer provider and was, I was like okay I was right I knew something was up but they were like just not listening to me and they're like also just uncomfortable with the whole like and I'm a healthcare provider I came in and point blank was like this is what I'm concerned about I need you to do this thing and they just said they didn't didn't do it yeah. and I was just like that was really messed up and you know and that's just also like put it, it 
it put my health and the people's health at risk and for something that was very basic. And it happens all the time. Like going in, like I keep trying to get a certain level of gender affirming care about some of my um, AFAB body parts. And I keep getting, oh, we can't do that because essentially you're going to sue the hospital if we do that because you're going to want to get pregnant later. And we can't even get into identity and transness. I can't even get into like, I can try and explain my life, but they're just going to say it's a problem. And like, there's not even a chance where you can justify it, um, which just gets into them. That's like, okay, I'm going to take a break for three years before I'm going to go do this again. Because right. It's exhausting. And, and I, like, I've also learned that and like, it's also part of how our medical model is set up and how our healthcare system is in this, in this country. Like gender affirming care, there must be, so the way the medical model works, there must be a diagnosis in order to receive a treatment. I mean, this is the same way like that the medical model treats pregnancy. It's actually not a problem. Like this is not a problem. It can become a problem, but there's no problem necessarily to treat. Mm -hmm. And in other cases, like I've had patients, I've explained to them like, hey, I want you to have this next stage of gender affirming care and just have to explain to you, I have to give you a diagnosis of this disorder because there must be something named to be treated. This is kind of like where I t was talking earlier about like the medical versus nursing model. They're both in the same, they will have many, many problems, but that is how healthcare works this country is like there must be a problem for us to fix yeah. rather than kind of like, this is just part of life and this is not a big deal and it should not be a big deal and we're going to have to like, but like, that's the difference is also like when I go through this with patients, I'm like, explain, you're going to be given a diagnosis that I need to give you in order to do X. Yeah. Um, this does not change how we're dealing with it. Like I've had a lot of people make the gender dysphoria thing. I was like, I, you're actually not upset about your gender. Mm -hmm. We just need this thing mm -hmm. and you need to keep this thing going to mm -hmm continue to not be upset about it. So let's just continue to not be upset about it. I have to write the things I do. And then some people have been more upset than others, but I'm like, but like I try and explain like, this is not, this is, this is to an end means to an end versus like, yeah, it's what you got to do to get the medication, to get insurance, to cover the surgery, to blah, 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 blah. And, and like, I work with other providers that they're like, giving people a gender dysphoria diagnosis who are very happy with their gender. It just happened to be trans. Yeah. And I've worked with like some, especially like providers, like older providers that have been trained like many, many years ago, that was the standard practice and that was how they were taught. And it's, that's just, that's just how it was for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, actually, I think you should probably take that diagnosis off because that's not what we're dealing with here. Like, yeah. There's other, there's definitely stuff we're working on, but that happens to not be it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's just, it's, it's the nature of our healthcare system and how insurance and all that loveliness works. Yeah. So we're going to do a future podcast and do a deep dive into medication, but just to scratch the surface, if somebody is thinking about doing medication for the first time or like had a bad experience before and is kind of thinking about doing it again, how do you talk to people about about trying it how do you start that process of like let's try this thing and this is how we're going to figure out maybe maybe it is so loft maybe it's wellbutrin maybe it's whatever but for those people who are kind of nervous and worried that their personality is going to go away or their emotions are going to go away how do you talk through that um usually we do talk through it and see what our goals are and what realistically we can expect from it so some of a lot of people are like oh well if i take this then i'm gonna have no personality and a lot of times the medication is where i put it sometimes we're like turning the volume down on certain things um I often discuss possible side effects and 
that is a often will be a really good kind of guide to where we want to go because if these things that might happen may or may not but can happen happen would that be a non-starter for you and a lot of times also i usually um since the people that will be seeing me will be clients that are already seeing a therapist a lot of times i prefer people to have be in therapy and a lot of times a therapist and them are like okay we've tried all this other stuff and it's not working now it's time to discuss the other options because at that point like a lot there are a lot of things that like just therapy would be fine for mm -hmm. and i've definitely i've been at different practices I've, I've worked at a lot of different kind of settings and with a lot of different populations and when i'm in a more general population a lot of my job is just being like actually we probably shouldn't mm -hmm. and you know sometimes that's the answer is i'm like i don't recommend that you do that mm -hmm. like they're like or they're like i need a pill for this I'm like actually have we talked about these other things that are options first because that would like the medication is not the first line mm -hmm. or sometimes it's like their medication actually isn't indicated at all for certain things mm -hmm. and so it really is just like i said it's a lot of it is, is like cost like risk benefit analysis is the discussion that we have it's like okay well can i expect this to happen maybe mm -hmm. and especially with like the antidepressants which are actually better usually at anti-anxiety medications they do not take your personality away mm -hmm. if they do that's a fail um and that happened like i have definitely like i have i mean i have been prescribed meds before where i was like i have zero feelings i don't have bad feelings i have no good ones mm -hmm. and at the time the writer was like yeah that's working and i was like no that's not working or like you know and everybody every brain is different like and, and that there's a huge difference in the way that people respond to medications and stuff so we will be talking through that but a lot of times is laying out the risks mm -hmm versus benefits will make it a lot more apparent. And a lot of also most of these things, um, the side effects of the medication are reversible. A lot, like 99%, you stop the med, it goes away. Yeah. Like it's, these are not permanent things. There are permanent changes that can come from some of this stuff, which like again, we'll talk through. Um, but I would say 99% of the medication that we would be talking about probably <laughs> is stuff that like, if there's a side effect, you stop it, it goes away. Um, because if, if, if it's not one of those, we're going to be discussing what it means to be on this medication. Like there's certain meds that I love because they work really well, but they're not on the table for a lot of people because of pre-existing medical conditions, because of other reactions they've had to other medications. You know, it, there's, a, there's, there's a, dis a, dis a discussion because I always try and remind people, like at the end of the day, you're your own person. You're an adult making choices about what we're going to put in your body. Mm -hmm. And just like your food diet, your drug diet is very important and integral into your health because, you know, like somebody's like, I'm not sleeping, but I'm having coffee nine times a day and having a cup of coffee before bed. I don't know why we're not sleeping, but a lot of people don't know that caffeine has an eight hour half life. Mm -hmm. So talking through that kind of stuff first will be a really versus like somebody just being like, oh, here, have some sedatives, yeah. which, you know, when I'm at when I was at a practice seeing 22 patients in eight hours, some people got like that was kind of the gist i was like a lot of times like honestly i don't know you're gonna have to come back in two weeks because i have not done asking questions and they did not like me there yeah not yeah. they were not a fan um you know one thing you've explained to me that i t actually tell clients all the time is it's not about what medication you're on or what dose you're on um, like a certain medication or a higher dose doesn't mean you're more sick. It's just about finding the right key for the lock that is your brain. Yeah, and and like I said, like I mean, I am a fantastic example of how brains don't always work the way you think they are. I mean, I am a, I have definitely an ADHD person. 
very not neurotypical and there's certain meds that I take that have an opposite reaction to other people and I've had even medical people that I've talked to and like one was like that's not possible I'm like well then you explain why I ended up outside with no pants on like there's like there's like there's certain things that happened and having had those experiences personally will kind of inform and then other times the people will be like I, this is side effect of this medication I'm like it doesn't even touch that part of your brain I that's not physically possible um so and yeah, some, some people need a lot higher doses, some people need a lot lower doses. Like I've worked with people that are very sensitive to side effects and I'll, I'll bust out a pediatric medication and be like, all right, so you know what? They don't make adult stuff in this size, but let's try a kid size. And some people that were like, was like, oh wow, I've, it's working and I don't feel terrible. Yeah, but you know, or there's like people like, I've tried these other medications which are all just like this medication and they're trying to maybe take this medication. I'm like, but if all of them do the same thing, then that one's also gonna do the same thing. So it's just important to like, again, it's a, it should be a discussion versus like, do this. Cause that never works. It never works. <laughs> Ever. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Mm-hmm. Um, Mikey will be on with us monthly starting the summer. So we'll hear a lot more from Mikey about everything psych related um, and there is an endless well in there so it'll be very fun um, medication questions for him uh, medications 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 let's take some medications uh, if you have any medication questions psych related questions for Mikey please send us a message DM leave it in the chat um, and we'll be sure to address it at an upcoming podcast thank you so much no problem bye bye Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Leave a comment below or email us at communications at Open Space Therapy Collective. You can follow us on all of the social medias. And if you're in California looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists to see if we are the right fit for you. My Therapist is Out is an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. Our therapists are Kristen Crow, Debbie White, and Renee Johnson. Clinical consultant, Jenny Nigro. Communications coordinator, Riley Andreessen. Marketing consultant, M. Issa Messaging. Administrative assistant, Mirza Ruiz. And our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio.